Test, test. Somebody keeps fooling with them buttons. If I can figure out who they are, oh boy, they're in for trouble. Since I'm the only guy wearing it, it must be me. And it's so wonderful to be, be together today in the house of the Lord. And certainly appreciate the opportunity. Let's turn to the book of Ruth, if you would. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. The Rob is still on for tomorrow night? Six o'clock. Okay. Question and answers for the youth tomorrow night. <clears throat> Supper provided at six. Okay. I think we might have the service part maybe over here tomorrow night so we could stream it and be able to record it. Um, our youth has asked a bunch of good questions, and I think that it wouldn't, would be a benefit for more than just the youth actually so if you can't stream it tomorrow night they'll be able to record it so you can you can hear it I like question answers well some of them anyway uh, question answers is tricky but it's it kind of tells you where people are and what they're dealing with what they're thinking about where they are in their life and uh, had some really good question answers so well, the question didn't be good. I guess it's yet debatable to see what the answers will be, right? But I've been studying on them now for, for a couple of weeks. Um, so we're just come expecting the Lord to, to meet with us once again. Ruth chapter 3, verse, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well? with thee. And now is not Boaz our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how we love your word. How we thank you, Father, for making a way that it could be written down for us, that we would be able to read it. It's easy for us to see how that story is told from one generation to the next. If your words would have been simply handed down from one generation to another generation to another generation to another generation, verbally only, what would we have wound up with in this age? But you wanted your word to be written down. And we thank you, Lord, that we're living in an age when also you sent us a prophet with a message, and you didn't just want people that were around him telling their children, them telling their children, but you made a way so that it could be recorded, that we would be able to hear the voice of our messenger. We're the only church age that has been able to hear the voice of their messenger, even though he's been gone from the earth for decades. And we're so grateful that we live in that age, that we can hear the voice of the seventh angel. So we're here today, Father, because we believe that you're still the same God and you're desiring to speak to us today. 
So we've got ready and we come to church and we've just decided that today's the day that we're going to hear from God. We've decided that we're going to open our hearts because we're here. We're going to just present our needs before the Almighty God that you'll take a minister and move him aside and help him to be able to speak to us. Father, we love you. We worship you with all of our hearts. Bless us as we sit together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Protocol can be a strange thing. The way to approach something or the way to come to something or someone. It could vary from one to the other. It can vary in, in diplomats. And I've been in different parts of the world and flew on flights with diplomats. I was on a flight one time in Africa. And there was, there was a pretty high-ranking official that was on the flight. And it wasn't really hard to tell that he was high-ranking because he wanted everybody else on the plane to know he was. So he had a position, and he had an attitude with that position. He wanted to be treated different. He wanted to sit in a certain spot, and he demanded coffee, and he demanded what they call biscuits, which is cookies to us, but he demanded this special treatment. One of the brothers that I was with just so happened that they had assigned him this famous important man's seat. And this guy got all bent out of shape. He was so angry and so mad. So he demanded a certain protocol. He demanded to be treated a certain way, which was above everybody else on the plane. Well, myself, I thought the pilot was much more important than he was. I mean, that's just me, okay? I, that was just my view about it because I figured we could make it without that guy. I didn't figure we could make it without the pilot. But this attitude of this individual was that pretty much he, he was the top dog. Well, I guess if you're talking about dogs, you are, but since I ain't no dog, I, ain't, I don't have a dog in this race. But that doesn't do away with there is an approach and there is a protocol and God has one. And Naomi, now she, of course, knew the law. She knew the Leverett law that she was going to teach uh, Ruth about. Ruth, being a Moabitess, we don't know if she understood exactly what she was being told to do. But what was really important wasn't so much that she understood it, but that she obeyed it with the right type of attitude. You know, God has many ways by which he differentiates his elect just between people that don't want to be lost and the elect. The elect are not people that just don't, they want to skip out on hell. But the elect, they love God so much, they want to do whatever he wants them to do. It might seem foolish to the eyes of the world, it might seem very, very simple to the eyes of others, but to the elect, it's not that way at all. If God wants them to do something, they will do it. 
whether or not they even understand it. Now, she's giving her a five-fold manner by which she must approach Boaz. Now, remember the Jews tell us that Boaz was about 80 and Ruth was about 40 or younger. So this within itself is kind of odd. Now, especially for our Western civilization, for them, it was not so much. Uh, But she must know and learn what is the right approach. Naomi wants to give her rest, as she calls it. In other words, she wants her to be married. She wants her to have a husband that will give her a name, a protection, a place provided to where she will be able to live. And Naomi knows the law of God well enough to know that by the Leveret law, that if you had a husband that died and there was a near kinsman, then that near kinsman was obligated by the Leveret law to take that woman to be his wife. Whether it was a brother, could be a stepfather, an uncle, a cousin. And then whenever they would have a child, that child would actually bear the name of that dead husband. It would also receive a portion of his inheritance. So Naomi doesn't just leave Ruth to a spot, well, honey, just do whatever you think. I'll tell you what, you just, whatever you think, uh, whatever you want to do, and let's say it this way, however you feel led. Now, being a pastor for about 40 years now, I found out that when people say those words, it's like those words override every scripture. They override every quote when people say they feel led to do something. Well, this is the way I look at it. Again, I'm a simple sort of a fellow. I don't figure the Holy Ghost is gonna lead me or you or anyone else to go contrary to his word. So when we feel led to do something, we need to check and make sure that what we feel led to do is not contrary to the word. So Ruth, now she's a Moabitess, no doubt. They did not approach it this way back in the land of Moab. Whether it made sense or not, she's going to do it. And God is going to honor her. And we will pick it up with Boaz as well. That Boaz, even as much as he wanted her to be his wife, and as much as he believed, no doubt, it was the sovereignty of God. But Boaz would not commit himself to her until the closest of kin resolved his rights. I wish a lot of preachers could understand that. I wish a lot of our folks in the message could understand that. So the first thing that she does is bathes herself. Now she washes, as we said before, there was no showers, there was no bathrooms in their houses. So, you know, a bath was something of of a rarity of sorts. That was one thing that the Romans did in every 
conquests that they would make. The Romans brought highways. They brought aqueducts. They brought water. They brought so many things along in their civilization. As I stood a few years ago and saw the Roman aqueduct, which had been buried by years of accumulation of sand, and standing there in the land of Israel, and looking at that massive, massive aqueduct which they had built in order to bring water. You know, the city of Laodicea was quite unique in that the Romans had built two separate aqueducts for Laodicea. Because there was a hot spring in one direction and there was cold water in another direction. So they built an aqueduct for the warm water. Now whenever John wrote what the Lord said about being lukewarm, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Because they had received that hot water when it left its origination. By the time it reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So they knew exactly what John was meaning. So God is the same way in the sense that he wants us to be able to obey his word, whether we understand it, whether we don't, that's not the thing. It's he checks us by our obedience and our love to him is not just by words, but more so by obedience. Now, James said, be ye therefore not a forgetful hearer. That is, one that hears the word, they may rejoice in it, shout in it, talk about how good it is, but then they forget to obey it. But Ruth is truly a genuine type of a Gentile, an elect Gentile. We have no place here written in here or in Josephus or any of the rest of the histories that I could find that Ruth questioned one thing that Naomi said. Now, we don't know if she understood it, if it made sense. As a matter of fact, what she's gonna ask her to do is very embarrassing and very humiliating. It could be interpreted as if though Ruth is a foul woman. That's right. But Ruth does not question. She simply has confidence in the one giving her the instruction. So she doesn't say, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna pray about this. Do you mind if I go on a three-day fast? Well, you can if you want to, but the festival will be over time you get done with your fast. And you'll miss your window of obedience. So now it is now or wait until next year. You know, that's the time for us to move when the Spirit of God is moving on our hearts. So notice what the writer said, wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment 
upon thee. Now this is a accumulative type of saying that was very common among not only the Jews, but the Middle Eastern people, and for some of them it's still there today. Having been there in some of the markets, and I stood in Durban, South Africa, several years ago, and there's quite a, a population of East Indians in Durban. I was there with Brother Naomi Nadu, and uh, several Indian believers that are there, and he wanted to take me to their market. And I, I went there to their market and all. For those of you that like Indian food and you smell all those different spices and those leaves and nuts and things that's in there, it's just overwhelming. So they have big old things that look, say, similar to us, a 55-gallon drum in that size. And they would have this spice and it was yellow and this one was red. This one was orange and this one was green. And it was just unbelievable, the, the fragrance that was there. Then in another part of that market, they would have sandalwood and they would have pieces of balsam and pieces of fur and they would have myrrh and they would have frankincense. So you would come from one set of, of aromas and fragrances and move from there to another. Well, Brother Nami wanted to do me a favor. So <clears throat> he bought me up a bunch of spices. I'm a Tennessee boy, okay? <clears throat> now, I do like Indian food, yeah, I do like it. I don't like it quite as strong as they like it. But he bought me this, and he bought me that, and he bought me something else, and you know, I'm going from there to Johannesburg to the meetings, and I've got my suitcase, so I don't know anything else to do other than put it in the suitcase. Well, by the time I got to the meetings, you can guess what I smell like. So I thought, I, I've got another week or 10 days, you know, of this. What in the world am I going to do with all of this stuff? Herein lies the mystery of which I will not reveal. <laughs> but needless to say, I didn't smell that way after that meeting. That's all that will be said. But whenever God, now you know the natural types to spiritual, so God has a way for us to approach him. Now sinners can come to God as they are. Even a backslider. Look at the prodigal son. He come to his father, which was in tight, uh, smelling without a ring, without shoes, without proper garments. A sinner can come to God, you know, with cigarette on their breasts and alcohol and whatever more. But for a son or daughter of God to approach God that way, you're going to get in trouble big time. <clears throat> because God has a protocol. And I find it amazing myself how that people will approach gifted men of God. And they, they think that they can come however they wish. And I, I rem, I'm reminded of the story that I heard Brother Billy Paul tell, and it was of a minister that come to have a private interview with Brother Branham. And Brother Billy brings the man in and gives him so much time. And the man gets up and he comes out, walks out the door. Brother Billy Paul goes back to Brother Branham and getting ready to bring the next person in. And these were Brother Branham's comments. When Billy walks in, he said, that man is fixing to make the most terrible mistake, horrible mistake of his entire life. 
And Brother Billy said, Daddy, did you tell him? He said, no, he didn't ask me. He told me. Now, the man had come in and told Brother Branham he was going to go here and there and there and travel overseas and be a missionary, going to India, going here, there, there. So instead of approaching God's gift in the right way, he come telling the man of God what he was going to do. Instead of saying, look, Brother Branham, this is what I'm feeling led to do. What would be your advice? Now that would have been a total different approach. That would have been an approach that would have been acceptable to God. Then the man would have left a way for the Spirit of God to be able to correct him through that prophetic gift. You understand? So you see something even like that can change. You say, why, why would God do that? Because God demands respect. Now, I'm certainly not no prophet, certainly not no great spiritual person. But over the years, I've had so many people come and tell me, I feel led to do this, and I feel led to do that, and I feel led to do that. And most of the time when they tell me that, unless I feel that urge of the Spirit of God, I very rarely say anything. You know why? They have already offended the Spirit of God by the way they approached him. They have offended the presence of God by overstepping the boundaries of his word. And I don't want to offend him by catering to them. Now, if he nudges me, then I will say something, and I have. But there's been so many times that I've sat right there in my office and people would come in, I feel led to do this or I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna do something else and most of the time in my heart I know they're missing God a million miles. But unless God nudges me, I'll say, well, God bless you, I'll love you, I'll be praying for you, hope God will go. You say, Brother Donnie, why would you do that? Because me offending God's gonna get me in trouble. You see, God has a protocol, and that is that we must approach him in the right way. Now, Naomi knows that about God, and even does, so does Boaz know that about God, but Ruth is kind of just learning this new way. Oh, I wish we could be taught. I wish God would help us. My, we, we in the message think we know so much. We know the thunders and we know the seals and there's all kinds of people that do and they still don't know the divine approach to Almighty God. God, you don't approach God for healing because you've got long hair, because you've got a nice long dress and it's decent. You approach God by faith. You don't approach God. Well, God, look at me. I look holiness. You owe it to me. You don't know how to approach God. You don't approach God because God owes you anything. God owes us nothing. It is his mercy that we get anything from God. This is why the prophet said that he had seen saints of God walk across the platform and not get healed and watch sinners come across the platform and walk off well. Why? The sinner knew they was nothing. Nothing. 
The sinner knew they deserved nothing. They were worth nothing, but they had enough faith to touch God and that church member walking across with an attitude, well, God, you owe me this and you owe me that and totally missed their healing. I want to know God's approach myself. Now, Ruth is simply following in a great line of the way this has gone before and many that will follow hereafter. Let's look at her, her grandson, or great-grandson rather, in 2 Samuel 12, 20. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. Now this setting is of course after David's child has died with Bathsheba and the Lord told him that he was going to take the child and David fasted and prayed and cried and lamented and now of course the servants come in the doors and they're kind of whispering to one another and they've not yet told David what's happened but David perceives that God has taken the child. They asked David to eat when the child was alive. He would not do it. And no doubt David looked, you know, totally exhausted and worn out because he'd been petitioning God. But now the baby is dead. And now what does David do? David changes his apparel. David changes his look because the look that he had matched one that was in sorrow and mourning and he wanted to appear in the presence of God as one that was afflicted. So this is why they would tear their garments. So they would come up to the top like this and they would tear their garment and rip their garment as Job did and many others and they would reach down in the ashes where a fire had been and they did that as a symbolism of wood which had been in one form. Now it was changed by fire and they looked at themselves as being the same way. That they were one form and then God let trials and tests come and they saw themselves as that piece of wood which had been changed from a carbon form in a live tree now unto a carbon form which had been burnt, which had been tested, which had been so they would take that ashes and put it upon themselves and they would look so different. They would look afflicted. But that look was fitting for someone needing a touch from God. But now David says, I need to change my appearance. I need to change the way I look because I bore that image and God has not heard me. God decided to take me, take my son rather. Now David says that he rise. The Bible says he rose up from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. Notice now the sequence, the way that it comes. So he washes himself, then he is anointed. Why not anoint yourself before you get washed? That's why a sinner cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, God is not going to indwell a temple that is filthy and full of a vile, rotten nature. So God has a divine way of approach. So he washed and he anointed himself and he changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Now notice it is bringing a complete change. Did the sorrow of his child been taken? Was it gone? Probably not. It may have took him years if he ever got over it. But yet he thought, you know what? I cannot bring the child back to me, but I can go to the child. So 
I'm going to go not with being angry at God. I'm not going to go being mad at God. But the only way I will be accepted is to approach him. Notice, David is approaching God. He's not approaching people. Well, brother, what do you think I should do? And sister, what do you think I should do? But he knew this was the right approach to God. So he washes and then he anoints himself in order to be pleasant to be around. Now, the anointing, of course, in the Old Testament was oil, but it was symbolic in the New Testament of the Spirit of God anointing us. So notice he came into the house of the Lord and worshiped, then came into his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. So he was fasting, he was mournful, he no doubt had ashes all over him, tears. He must have looked like an absolute mess. He was clothed with sackcloth. But they noticed a change. Why? Because his attitude is changed. God is not going to raise the child up. God is not going to heal the child. Now I must go on with this portion of my life. Well, he realized that the approach to God was not go to the house of God to worship looking like a mourner. Don't you understand what Naomi is instructing Ruth what to do? Ruth was still in her clothing of widowhood. She was wearing the clothes of a widow. Now, we know our, our nation used to do that, of course. Whenever a woman would lose her husband, then she would put on black and she would wear it for however long, however long society deemed it you know, necessary to wear it. So people would look at her and their children as well, and they would see them with black, they would see them with an armband on, and they would know that they were a widower. Well, Ruth had been wearing these widowhood clothes. But Naomi said, look, girl, if you're going to become a bride, you got to change your clothes. You got to get them black garments on, that old black dreadful thing that's hanging around you. You can't worship, you can't sing, you can't praise God. You go to church and you sit there like a bump on a pickle. You don't ever raise your hands in the presence of the Lord. Look, girl, if you're wanting to get married, you got to act like a bride, not a widow. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Notice again in Exodus chapter 30, verse 35, that God had a divine protocol for the priests coming into his presence. Now, the priests were called out of the tribe of Levi, and they were the ones that God had chose. They were the tenths or the tithing of the tribes. They were to be the firstborn in symbol that God would allow to come into his presence. But even at that, they could not come just however they would. So they could not just say, well, I'll just pick this out and I'll pick that and I'll put this on and I'll put that on. God said, nope, that's not the way it's going to work. I'm going to tell you what to wear. I'm going to tell you when to wear it. I'm going to tell you what you're going to smell like. And I'm going to tell you nobody else in the camp better smell like that because they're going to get in trouble if they do. So you see, a lot of folks think in the New Testament that God threw away all the protocol. So that's why they come to God. Many of them have went to church today around the world. And women have worn many skirts into church if they wore any skirt at all. Many of them have wore shorts to church. They come to church looking like sailors or tattooed from the top of their head to the bottom of their little t 9 toe. And they feel like, oh, I'm a Christian that drinks. I'm a Christian that smokes marijuana. How in the world could you mix them two terms together? That's not a child of God. 
Oh, yes, sir. Brother Donnie, the Lord Jesus hung around sinners. That's right. He did. His reputation was made among sinners. But go ahead and finish the reality of that truth. Sinners didn't change him. He changed the sinners. So God today still has a protocol, and this is one of the major things, of course, that separates the bride from the church because the church feels like God will accept just anything they give him. You know, whatever, if they want to come to church looking like who knows what, then God will accept that, and you know, they'll be that way the rest of their life. Don't, don't get in my closet, don't get in my music, don't get in my movies, don't get in my computer. I'm a Christian, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. No, you're not a Christian. Because if you are a Christian, your life belongs to the Lord Jesus. You are not your own, you are bought with a price. Is that right? Now what if I start to pick up this handkerchief and whenever I do, this handkerchief knows exactly where it's heading. It's heading straight from my forehead. It's heading straight for the sweat running down beside my sideburns. It's heading straight for the sweat popped out on my upper lip. And the handkerchief would say, no, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I can't stand sweat. I hate sweat. I don't like having your old dirty, nasty sweat all over. Like it or lump it, you're my handkerchief. Like it or lump it, you're my shirt. You're going to be wet. You're going to be stinking when I get done but you're my shirt. Well, praise the Lord. Lord, if the Lord Jesus wanted to use me for a doormat, I'd be one to be one of the happiest doormats that was ever laid in front of the house of God. Oh, I know some of you feel like you've got the uppity up and you're this and that and the other. Come on down on the earth with the rest of us dirt bags. Notice what God says in Exodus 30, 35. Thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apocryphal, tempered together pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. So here is a certain perfume, and it's going to be in the presence of God, and somebody else is going to have a matching fragrance. So they're going to have this in the house of God, and then the priests are going to be anointed with the same smell. Now can you imagine the average Israelite they never got to wear this smell. But they knew who priests were even if they didn't have the robes on. You know why? They could smell them. You imagine when they would get around them and then, is that what it smells like? In his presence. I know who you are. He didn't have the bonnet on. He didn't have the ephod on. He didn't have all the priest's garments on. But he still had that aroma on him. Amen. Oh, that's the kind of child of God I want to be. Thou shalt put it before the tabern, the testimony of the tabernacle of the congregation. 
for I will meet with thee and it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves. Now this is not to be commercialized. Well, let me say the same way today, the gospel is not to be commercialized either. Oh, it's been commercialized and it'll be commercialized further. We go on in time and know that. But the real truth of the gospel is not to have money made with it. Come on, saints, say amen. It is the truth. Whenever we have to start charging for this and selling coffee and buying donuts and I passed a thing the other day going to the, the meetings over in Ruth and, and uh, I saw one here in Johnson City too. Well, they was gonna have animal shows on a certain, certain day. I thought I would have pretty much thought that'd been common every service, you know, animal shows. <laughs> but yet having animal shows and petting zoos and all kinds of stuff to draw a crowd, when we do that, it's time to shut up the house of God and go home. Come on, children. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, it shall not make to yourself according to the composition thereof. Now the composition was actually a mystery. Everybody did not know what the composition was, but it was given to the prophet from God and then given to the apothecary. And the apothecary was the one that took this composition and molded it together. So we'll say it this way, that he had, we'll say, so much sandalwood and so much myrrh and so much aloes and so much cassia. So he'd take a little bit of church ages and then mix a little bit of the seals and then mix a little bit of justification. Oh, hallelujah. You know, if I was a lay member and I was looking for a church to go to, I wouldn't want to find one that all they preached about was just the seals all the time. You might find somebody there that's lost and needs to be saved. They might need to hear about salvation. I wouldn't want to just go to a church that all they preached about was salvation either because there might be somebody there that needs the Holy Ghost. What I would look for is an apothecary, which is like what we call today a modern Walgreens or CVS. Now I understand they're experiencing a lot of shortages in our drug stores, and that's because a big portion of our drugs come from China. Well, you didn't know that? Well, that's the truth of it. So you have to wait for certain, certain things. But God has an apocalypse, his message of the hour, and it has so much healing. It's got so much deliverance. It's got so much baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's got mysteries. It's got deep things. Oh, somebody, I don't want deep things. I don't want deep things. Well, you complain to God. He's the one that had it wrote in his Bible. Apparently, mysteries are important to God. So watch what they do now. So they make this perfume. Praise the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off. So if you die to even smell like a preacher, I wonder what you're going to be when you try to impersonate one getting in the pulpit and you're not called to do it. I'm convinced, friends, we've got men in this message that say they're called to preach and been more called to preach than a donkey. Look how they divide the word. 
Look at the doctrines. Look at the messes a lot of them been made. Don't tell me God calls somebody like that, make him an ignoramus. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Amen. God calls his men. And God anoints his men with the composition that he himself chooses for their gift. Oh man, there's things about Brother Tim Pruitt, I wish I could make a preacher. You know, just make a certain preacher. So I'd pull so much of Brother Tim, and then I'd pull so much of Brother Ron, and then I'd pull so much of this brother, and I would take none of me, believe that. I'd take none of me, but I'd take so much of Brother Darrell, and I'd take so much of this together, and I'd add it all together. Man, what in the world would I get? A big square mess. You know why? Because God don't do it the way we want it done. God does it the way he wants it done and he sends men and calls them and makes the composition even of their gift and sends them out. But to everyone anointed to smell the same way. Hallelujah. Now notice Exodus 40 and verse nine. Thou shalt take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle. So here goes Moses now. Let's get that monitor too. Man, that guitar player needs it. Let's really anoint these drums. So when you come in, every priest was not anointed. Just those that were called into his divine presence. Some are disqualified. They had certain birth defects and this and that. They were qualified, disqualified. They could not receive the anointing oil. So here this priest walked in the presence of God and he begins to smell. Is that me or the house of God? Both. And why in the world people don't, go, don't want to go to church? It's beyond me. I want you to notice this oil was not used to anoint their kitchen table. This oil was not used to anoint their monitor. It wasn't used to anoint their computer. It was used to anoint the house of God and the worshipers in the house of God. So here was something else that pulled them together that identified them as worshipers. You're not a worshiper just because you come here this morning. You're not a worshiper just because you're sitting in the pew. You're a worshiper because you raise your hands and you raise your voice. Oh, some of you will cry. Some of you may shout. God don't want us to be necessarily like individuals. God wants us to reflect the composition of the Spirit of God in us. Some of us, the Holy Ghost moves on us. We may dance a little bit back and forth. Why, some of you would pass out if you ever danced. My, you wouldn't know what to even do. So would your wife and your kids. But you know what? We're not wanting you to be like me. We don't want 
wants you to act like Brother Darrell or act like somebody else, but you want to give the composition of the way that God made you. Pardon me for saying so, but I can see Brother Jim Babb sitting right over on the end of that pew right now with his eyes like this, with his hand his face, over his face like this. Never seen him run. Never seen him run the backs of the pews. But he was a worshiper. And let me tell you something. Him and Brother Gene and all the rest of our loved ones that have crossed over, you think they worshiped here? You ought to see them now. Praise be to God. Why? Because what they were anointed with, that same fragrance is in the sixth dimension. You see, the Holy Ghost that he gives you in this life is yours for eternity. It will be yours forever. Why people don't want it? I just don't understand, friends. Thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all his vessels, notice his, his vessels and sanctify the altar and shall be, uh, the altar shall be most holy and thou shalt anoint the laver and his foot and sanctify it. And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and wash them with water. And thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments and anoint him. Notice the order, the protocol. Wash him first. And sanctify him that he may minister unto who? The priest is not ministering to the people, but ministering unto God. Lord, General, if we could ever get this right, we, when we come to the house of God, I believe it changed us forever. We're not here worshiping one another. We're not here so that people will think you're spiritual or whatever more. We're here ministering to the King of Kings. We're ministering to the Lord so we're worshiping Him and we're anointed by the Spirit of God and we are ministering, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. Notice Proverbs 27 and 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Y'all know what aromatherapy is, right? It is amazing that smell can be attached to the heart. Now, of course, the Greek word heart in the New Testament is cardia, which is where we get cardiac and all that from. But it was considered by the Jews, Hebrews of the Old Testament, Jews of the New, that it was the seat of your emotions. So fragrance, amen, could be so moving that the seat of the emotions was moved upon by fragrance. If you think that ain't true, let somebody in front of you run over a skunk. 
and you follow right in behind that smell. How many's ever done it? What do you have to do? You didn't even run over the dude. I mean, you wasn't even, you know, nowhere clear, near of it rather. And yet you'll have to roll down your windows many times because your car, why is it my car loves that smell? Why is it that your truck will hold that smell? You have to roll down your windows and let that out. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. We and I were stinkers. We were stinkers. We smell like the devil. Well, praise the Lord. Remember, brother, him talking about his old dog, and he said, boy, he'd get him out there, and he said he hated a skunk. And he said, he'd say, get him, boy, get him, get him. You imagine if brother Branham would have nodded. No Fritz would have looked back. You mean that's all you got, Billy? You want me to go get that skunk and you're nodding? Well, that's the way some of y'all do, the preacher. Look, if you want me to get that skunk, say so. Don't just nod at me with a grin, say so. Get him, Brother Donnie. Get him, preacher. Amen. Go after him. Brother Brown said he hated a skunk, but he said he'd just rattle that bush a little bit. Get him, boy, get him. And he said, the biggest stinker I know of is the devil. Well, I hope you understand that the next one that had the closest claim on us was the devil. So what does that make you? He's a big skunk, you're a little one. That's why we acted like the devil. We lived like the devil. We lived in the world, and I'll tell you what, we stunk, and we were no way acceptable in the presence of God. It was only the mercy of God that would even let us come to an altar and get saved. How did he do it? Through the fragrance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But after you're called into the body, Now don't think you can come to church with your besetting sins and your lying and your adulteries and this and that and think he will accept you. Now you're a priest. The protocol is applied differently. Go to Solomon says, ointment and perfume. Rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Wow. You know, a real friend will tell you the truth even if it hurts your feelings, won't it? Oh, not my friends. They don't ever tell me the truth, then they're not really your friends. Because they know you're a baby and they know you'll pout on them. chapter 10 verse 37 that word I say you know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached how God anointed Jesus God anointed Jesus of Nazareth Isn't it amazing he doesn't call him Jesus from eternity? Jesus from heaven. Jesus from the seventh dimension. Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't it amazing how many times, you ever noticed in the New Testament, how many times they kept referring to him as Jesus of Nazareth? 
You see, they had a true revelation. They had their pocket there mixed up right. They could preach Jesus of Nazareth. They could also preach him being the Logos. They could preach him being the Son of God, Son of Man, Son of David. They had the right mixture from the Father's apocryphal. Notice now, the Lord Jesus, though he was born the Word, he was not the Messiah until God anointed him. When? After John washed him. John washed him, the anointing came on him, and the Father changed his clothes on Mount Transfiguration. Glory be to God. The Lord Jesus following the same pattern that he gives us. Notice God anointed Jesus. What was God doing? God was saying, this is my beloved son. This is my Messiah. My Christos. I love the Hebrew words of this. God anointed Yeshua with Ruach HaKadosh. God anointed Yeshua with Ruach. You see, this is the word in the book of Genesis. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And that word Spirit is Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. But here is Ruach Kodesh. Another attribute of God. Now the fullness had come down and God is anointing Jesus. Would some of y'all been okay with Jesus teaching and him sitting down in a chair? Would y'all thought he was anointed? The Bible says that he sat. So imagine him saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. But my yoke is easy. And my burdens are light. And you sit there and say, I ain't never seen no preacher set. Well, he sure don't preach that brother Donnie. I'll tell you that right now. He sure don't preach that brother Darrell or brother Ron. So we measure people whether they're anointed by whether they preach like brother Donnie or brother Ron or brother Darrell then neither should you judge people because they don't shout the way you shout and say they're not anointed. What's that's causing them tears to come out of their eyes? What's causing that something to jump inside of their soul and say, Lord God, I love you with all of my heart. Maybe you're anointed to jump. Maybe you're anointed to shout. They're anointed to cry. Oh, as long as I'm anointed, praise God. As long as I'm anointed to do his service, that's what I want. Notice 2 Corinthians 2.15, now Paul's speaking about the ministry. And he said, for we are unto God a sweet savor. Look at this word. Yehudia. Sweet smelling incense. An odor or something sweet smelling. An odor of acquiescence. Satisfaction. 
This is the title given to true gospel preachers. And no wonder Satan hates them. You see, it's an allusion to what we just read about of the priest anointed by the Spirit of God. And they can come with that anointed word. Maybe you got an old sour attitude. You had pickles for breakfast and snack. As a matter of fact, you've been on a diet of pickles for 14 days and 40 nights. But if you can get under his presence, it'll change you from an old deal pickle to a cinnamon roll. Like fluffy and so sweet. Takes away that old bad attitude. Sometimes we need help. Come on. What? From what? The ministers of God are anointed. It's amazing to me how a preacher can tear us up one side and down the other. Rip us up one side and down the other and we barely make it to the car. We barely can make it through the drive through but after a while we go to feeling better and somebody say, where you been? Church. You mean that's the way you look every time? No, sometimes I look worse. Are you going back? You better believe I'm going back. off of me. It got rid of my temper. It got rid of that old rotten thing that I needed off of me. Yes, I'm going back. So now Ruth's third act of preparation is to change clothes. She's to put off the garments of a sorrowing widow and put on the garments of a young lady looking for a man. Now she's no doubt a poor woman, but nearly every Jew would have had at least one. Festive garment. You may have a lot of sad days in your life. A lot of trials you're facing right now. But if you look in your Holy Ghost closet, I dare say you'll find at least one garment of praise. (laughs) You see, Naomi somehow believed that Ruth was to be a bride. Clothing in the scripture has a spiritual identification. We know that. That's why we believe we have to dress a certain way in this day. You see, our parents tried to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. Genesis 3, 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So after they ate this apple, they decided to cover the sinful part. So they made fig leaves and tied around their mouths so they'd never eat apples again. (laughs) 
Notice. The eyes of them both are open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now the English says aprons, but look at the word here. It's shagore, which is a girdle or a loin covering. A loin cloth. Why would you eat an apple and cover with a loin cloth? Well, glory. And they made themselves aprons out of what? Fig leaves. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a loin cloth. Now notice, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Now they're clothed with aprons but still feel naked. That's what churchanity will do for you. That's what just being religious will do for you. Now it had covered that certain part of the body of which they were guilty, of course. But isn't it amazing, Brother Dow, that the apron could not go to the conscious. The apron could not go to the conscience. All it could do is cover a certain part of the flesh, but it could not go to the conscience and be able to redeem the conscience from the guilt of disobedience to his word. Genesis 3.21, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats. Huh. Well, they got to sewing and made aprons. God made coats. This word, kesoness, is a tunic or an undergarment, a long shirt-like garment. Huh. So the Lord God made them a long tunic. And no doubt hers is made one way and his is made the other. God, don't ever break his principles. You wouldn't have looked at both of them and said, which is a woman? Well, they said, well, we can't define what a woman is. Uh, They are birthing people. They're ministrating people. Bunch of idiots. Imbeciles. Heathens. We wonder why our nation gone where it's at. They've turned down God. And now God is turning them down and turning them over to reprobates that they don't even know what a woman is or what a man is. And the politicians are afraid to say it. Well, here's one preacher that ain't. In the beginning, he made them male and female.
Go ahead and put me on YouTube. I'm already on there anyhow. Brother Don, you're going to get us in trouble. So what else is new? And unto Adam also, unto his husband. Oh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the Laodicean version, eh? His wife. Show me where God ever joined two men together and I'll marry gays. Show me where God ever joined two women together and I'll marry lesbians. There won't be enough for your Wednesday night to put out a fire, will there? You'll be all right. You will? Well, well, we might be able to put out a fire there. The skin, you imagine every time he looked at it, it was God's provision of mercy. God went out there and got an innocent animal that had to die. Now, you imagine we're talking about a tunic. Had to be a pretty good-sized sheep where God put them together. We don't know exactly what it was, how God went about doing it, but God, the prophet said, God throws it over into them behind the bush because they was over there afraid. God, I can't look at you. God, I can't come to church. Lord have mercy, friends. If people get nervous being around a preacher, if people get nervous and don't want to look at a preacher and don't want to be around a preacher, can you imagine what it's going to be on the day of judgment when you stand before Almighty God? An innocent animal had to die. That man and woman might have a new beginning and be reminded every day of their life this is my new beginning. How can we sit here today and say we are the redeemed of the Lord? We are the church of the living God. We are a habitation of the Spirit because our garment that we grab a hold of by mercy and we say, Lord, you gave us this new beginning. I'm so glad his mercies are renewed every morning myself. Let me find a place to cause them. Genesis 41, 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his garment and came in unto Pharaoh. His prison garments would have not met the protocol to walk in before the king of kings. So either the prison guards or someone in Pharaoh's court brought Joseph some clothes. Imagine he bathed himself, shaved, combed his hair, put on these garments, walked right out of prison into the court of the king. Praise be to God. You're gonna walk right out of this hell you're going to walk right out of this Laodicea 
and in a moment be changed in the twinkling of an eye and walk right into the presence of Almighty God. You see, gifts of clothing was the most common gift in the Bible that was given to people. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. Now watch what happens is that after Joseph gets into his position, we'll say Joseph got saved out of the prison. Then Joseph moves into the land of adoption. What he had on was fitting to meet Pharaoh, but not fitting to be adopted. So those of you that are just, well, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, but you gotta move into the land of adoption. There's more to this great plan than just preaching the cross 365 days a year. There's more than just saying, well, God sent a prophet. There's more to it than that. I wanna know what he said. I know God sent a prophet. Tell me what he said. Tell me what to do. So notice then Joseph now stands there just, just shortly out of prison. And Pharaoh takes his own ring off his finger and slides it over on Joseph's hand. And he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. Now this is the linen that I've told you before. In times gone by, this linen was worth more than gold. It was made from the flax that was grown by the river Nile that's washed down where the blue and the white Nile both come together. The topsoil as it travels those hundreds of miles and it makes us this beautiful linen and whenever they would wear it and the sun would shine on it. History records of Herodotus and different historians that talk about them when the people would stand there in that white linen and the Egyptian sun would shine on them. You could hardly look at them. Standing there in glistening white garments. Praise be to God. So from a prison to standing there in white garments. Let me close. I'm reminded of the Sardesian church age when the Lord Jesus promised the rewarding overcomers. You shall walk with me in white for you are worthy. You imagine Brother Paul, the worthy one speaking to mortals and saying you are worthy. Why were they dressed in white? They were dressed in it here. Hallelujah. Fine linen, clean and white was granted to her. She's been washed in the blood of God's own son. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Maybe there's some under the sound of my voice today and you love the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, but you've never received the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> maybe there's some here today that's maybe never even made the commitment or maybe you have years ago and you've got cold and you'd like to be renewed in his presence. Whatever your need is,
Remember, you're not approaching a man. We're not approaching Happy Valley Church, but we're approaching the king. What is the protocol? Come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise, into his courts with praise. How'd the prophet tell us to even pray? He said, don't go to the Lord and just start making your requests. No, no, sure, if it's an emergency, that's one thing. But when we come to fellowship with the Lord, we should start with praise, adoration, love, thanksgiving. Then start making our needs known. Don't come and meet, Lord, I need this, I need that, Johnny needs that, Susie needs this, Billy needs that, and Fred needs that, and Donnie needs that. God is not a, a Sears and Roebuck house. We're replacing our order. But he has a protocol. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. How many wants to come God's way of protocol? Raise your heads and look at me. There's a suit store over in North Carolina that I bought some suits from in the past. Brother Joe Green told me they was going out of business, so the other day I wanted to go over and look and see if they had it. <clears throat> so the man that, that was there, I've talked to him before, he's an Indian man, and he's going out of business, and long story short, he, oh yeah, I'll make you a good deal, make you a good deal. <clears throat> so I found some suits there, and he said, I don't know if you know it or not, but I have a bridal store right back here. And he said, have some dresses for the lady. My lady was standing there by me. So I said, okay, we will, we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. So the name of the store was Beautiful Bride, wasn't it? Something like that. Beautiful Bride. Well, they had wedding dresses, they had veils, they had all kinds of things. So his wife run that store. And so we walk in, and she said, well, what can I help you with? And Carol said, well, I'm just, just looking a little bit, just looking. They had all kinds of dresses with bling. I mean, bling, a-ling, 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 a-ling. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And Carol said, I'm not sure I'm going to find anything in this place. But she got to looking and she found a, a, a pretty blue dress that was blingless and just a dressy type of thing to wear to a wedding, you know. She's not looking for another man. I mean, do y'all's weddings is what I'm talking about. <laughs> so she says, can I get this one? Now, if she would have got that dress with Paul and got down in the floor, and screamed and pounded. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I love her, but I would have walked out of there and left her on the floor. I wonder how Jesus feels when we come to him like beggars. So she found a dress that was befitted for the occasion. And she knew the protocol. 
She didn't get mad. She didn't throw a fit. But she just simply asked. So you don't have to come today and as a sinner, oh God, oh God, I'm so wretched, I'm so... Well, if you're a sinner, come that way. But if you're children of God, don't come that way. Come, calling him Papa. Oh, Father. I'm your needy child. Father, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got weaknesses, you know I do. I've got issues. I've got problems. I've got worries. But I believe you love me. And I believe you'll reach out your scepter to me today. Come on, Esther. Can you move past your fear? Move past your anxiety? But what if he won't? What if he won't? Guarantee you you will. Esther didn't even have a promise that Ahasuerus would even reach out his scepter to her. And if he didn't, she's dead. But somehow she believed the love she had for him and the love he had for her. He would extend his mercy. Let's not approach him as sinners. Let's not come to church as people that are ignorant. No doubt when we relocate, we're going to have visitors galore. We will have some that will visit for one time and one time only. So, Brother Donnie, what are we going to change? Absolutely nothing. We're still singing, we're still worshiping, we're still preaching the same thing. Don't look for me to change what I've preached for all these years. I'm going to preach the same thing. And if there's a seed, praise God. We're too close to home. We're too close to home to change now. We'll have some that'll come and visit in our midst and we'll look at them and say, Lord, have mercy. Goodness gracious. But remember, you used to look like that. God have pity on you. Stand together. What about it, Ruth? Will you listen to instruction? I won't get over to it in the very next verse here, maybe next week. But Ruth affirmed to her and said, all that you have said, I will do. No questions, no reasoning. I don't understand it. I just take your word for it. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Whatever you have need of today, sickness, Maybe it's an evil spirit that's tormenting you. Glory to God. Let's approach him today with his protocol. Lord Jesus, as your children, Father, we're coming now into your presence because we have been invited to do so. Lord God, we don't want to be as the Shulamite who just a few days after her wedding, she began to feel different. And one night when you come knocking on the door, you'd been out walking. And she was awakened by the sound of your voice and your rapping on the door. 
But yet, she was so sleepy, she just couldn't get up. So she laid there and laid there in slumber. Finally, she got to thinking about it, and she got up. She went to the door, and she said, when I took a hold of the handle, my hands dripped with myrrh where you had been there wanting to come in. She's not approaching you as a sinner, but she is now your wife. This is a very sad portion of the Song of Solomon, but I'm glad it's there because it helps us to see there'll be times in our life that we'll get indifferent. We'll just lay to see a pressing against us. We'll get sleepy, as it were, and tired. But you're there still knocking. Or she went through the night, went out, and the watchman found her, and they beat her. She couldn't blame you for that. That was her own negligence. And she kept saying, Have you saw him whom my soul loveth? I missed him. I missed him. I was lazy. I quit reading my Bible. I quit praying. I quit listening to tapes. I've got indifferent. I've got cold. But I'm looking for him. She wasn't looking for a church. She wasn't looking for a preacher. She was looking for you. Because she had experienced you. And after experiencing you, what preacher could ever take your place? What thing of the world could ever take your place? Oh, Jesus. Maybe there's some here today that that's kind of where they feel they are. They've just gotten a little bit cold, a little bit indifferent. But Lord, they want to be back in fellowship with you again. Oh, Jesus, my Lord. Oh, gentle dove of God. Coo to us here this morning, Father. It's amazing. You can coo to the sick, coo to the sinner, coo to the backslider, to coo to the indifferent, all with a different octave in your voice, and make the pull in one call. Oh, Jesus. Coo. Coo. Oh, Jesus. We worship you this morning, Lord. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the King? You need healing? He's got it for you. You need a renewal of your walk? He's got it for you. You need a refreshing from the presence of the Lord? Maybe you don't smell like His presence anymore. You've been hanging around Laodicea. You smell like the wrong kind of music. You smell like the world and the filth of the world. If you get close to Him, let Him cleanse you. You'll begin to smell like Him again. His mercy, His kindness, His forgiveness. We worship you, Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just... While we're in his presence now. Don't worry about where you're going to lunch. Don't worry about who you're you're meeting after church. Let's just take a few minutes now while we're in the presence of the king.
Oh, friends, let the Spirit of God deal with each of our hearts. May begin with me. I don't mind telling you, I need more of Him today. I want more of His love, more of His mercy, more of His kindness, more of His understanding. I want to be an apothecary that if the Lord God sends a sinner here, that I'll be the right type of druggist. That I, by the Spirit of God, can fill that script. And I'll preach Acts 2.38 and lead them to repentance. If he sends another one and they need the Holy Ghost, I'll be the right kind of pharmacist and I'll preach Acts 2 and 4. If he sends another one that needs forgiveness, on and on and on. I want to be that kind of pharmacist, if you understand what I'm saying. The prophet said that God wrote to us an eternal prescription and he gave it to us by Dr. Simon Peter. I'm sorry, I don't have a script made out in the name of titles. All mine's made out in the name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's worship him now, shall we? We say, Brother Donnie, I don't really need anything this morning. Well, that's good. I'm glad. God bless you. I'll tell you what. Let's me and you just go to his presence and let's just love him. Maybe you don't have a pressing need and a pressing burden. To be honest with you, sometimes, Brother Dale, I'll have needs in my heart and I won't even mention them to him. Because I think, Lord, all I ever do is come ask for this and ask for that. Remember this brother there and this brother. Friends, I'm in contact with people around the world. I get prayer requests from around the world almost every day. Heartbreaking things, things that are so terrible. And if God don't move, there's no way that people will ever live and survive. But sometimes you just think, God, you're more to me than that. I just want to come and love you. Not ask for this and ask for that and ask for something else. Can we just love him? How many wants to just love him this morning? This yearning deep within me reaches out to you. Your all of joy from morning soaks me, makes me new, and I will go.
Most of you know our precious sister had a fall this week and fell on a piece of rebar and it come right there to her eye just within inches of, of taking her eye out. But the mercy of God was with her. We're just, just going to ask the Lord to be with her and there'll be no, no negative things that'll come with this. Heavenly Father, Lord, as I looked at that picture that my brother sent, it was just heartbreaking. But then I looked at it in another way and I thought, it's mercy. It was mercy given. Thank you so much, Lord, that you spared our sister. We don't always understand why these things happen to us in our life, but Lord, we know that you're with us and you watch over us and you help us even when bad things happen. Oh, Lord God, we're praying for our sister today. Father, you see this need in her body. May there be no evil that'll come of this. May there be no lasting effects that'll be in her sight, Lord. Lord God, may she be able to testify for the rest of her life that your hand was upon her, that you gave her your mercy. Granted, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Did Brother Louie mention the sister from Brother Mike Wall's church this morning? We certainly want to have a special prayer for her this morning. 35-year-old sister gave birth to her her fourth child and somehow started having things going on in her body and they finally determined that it's a growth uh, prohibiting the blood from flowing up into her brain. Now she's at this swelling. I heard from Brother Mike this morning before coming to church. And uh, the brother has been there, of course, day and night. Saints have been praying from around the world. We want to just pray for her. Not only her, but for her husband, the children, and the church family. Can we take her before the throne of God? Lord Jesus, you don't always promise us that the bad things will happen to the bad people. And only good things will happen to your children. But what you promise us is, you'll make all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. As I sent Brother Mike that quote this morning that I've shared with so many down through the years. And the prophet talked about a man that was a captain flying a plane. His brothers did, several of them. Jim Mosley. And the man was out flying a plane and the crop dusted and done different things, but something happened and he, he crashed. And he laid in the fire for 10 hours before they could get to him. And they couldn't even have a viewing, of course, at his funeral. And the prophet talks about it. He said, sometimes we just don't understand these things. And then he quotes Romans 8, 28. I'm not glad that situation happened to that brother. He had a wife, 28 years old, had a couple of children that was left behind. I'm not glad for the situation that happened, but I'm so glad that Brother Ram said even he didn't understand when such things happened. And he could still quote Romans 8, 28. So Lord, you see this situation with our sister. 35 years old, young mother of four children now. That husband, I'm sure, must be crying with everything he knows to cry out with. Believing, asking, petitioning. Brother Mike, Lord, I know he's a pastor that loves the sheep of God. No doubt that church family today, they're so broken. This is their song leader and his wife. We pray for him today, Father. We know enough about you to know that we don't want to ask against your will. So if it's your will that this, our sister, come home, then we certainly will accept that and we will know it's the right choice. But Lord, until that happens, we're asking you for healing. We're asking you for mercy. By this stage, the doctors have no hope, no answers. But we know if it be your will, even now, Lord Jesus, you are the Jehovah of miracles. So Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, your will would be done concerning this situation, Father. And whatever the outcome is, whatever the answer is when it comes, we will give you thanksgiving and praise knowing that you know best. We may not understand all these things on this side, but if we still want to know them, I'm sure they'll be made clear on the other side. We commit her to you today, Father. 
We ask you now that you'd go with us as we depart from this place. We say it's been good to be in your house, Lord. Thank you for water to wash us. Thank you for the anointing of the last day message to anoint us, Father, that we can be prepared for our bridegroom. Go with us now. Bring us back at the appointed time, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Praise the Lord. And it had been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing it as you go. God bless you. Go on the fear of God. Remember Wednesday night service through the rest of August. We'll be here in this building Wednesday and Sunday. Then beginning in September, we'll only be able to use the sanctuary and the foyer out there on Sunday only. And we'll be streaming uh, from the new building or something. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. Of course, if some of you all was to happen to just drop by on Wednesday night as we were streaming, I don't know that that would be a problem, you know. <clears throat> so, but we're going to have church. We're going to have church. <clears throat> Amen. And some of you that are scared to death when we get in the new place, scared God's going to leave us. I'm going to ask you, why would he? Amen. Why in the world would he want to leave people that love him and worship him the way you all do? This is what he's wanted since the foundation of the world. I'm looking for it to be greater, not less. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing it together as we go. I love you in the Lord. If you run out of anybody to pray for, remember me. Remember the youth service tomorrow night, 13 up to 48. God bless you. Look forward to it. Go in the fear of God. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yes, Lord. For your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. Oh, I will sing. Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so Good day.
Redeemer came from heaven to restore. 
some dead God. Amen. We're not serving some idol. We're not serving some has-been. But we're serving the I am that I am. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Brother Jason, come sing that song for us. Just sing it. Folks, don't y'all want to go eat dinner? No, really? Okay, all right, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Let's just stay in worship. You can be dismissed when you want to go. Or if you don't want to go, okay, fine. Let's just worship him. Oh, I love being in his presence, don't you? You'll never eat a meal that'll ever be any better than this. Heavens declare your wonders, Lord, you are great and do marvelous things. For you alone are God, there is no declare it, Lord, that you have done great things, oh, you have done great things, mighty
standing hallelujah on holy ground and I know that there are angels they're all around all around me so let us pray let us pray our Jesus now hallelujah oh we are standing in his presence on holy ground well you know there is joy and it's beyond all measure oh hallelujah and at his feet peace of mind it can still be found Just reach out and claim it For child you're standing On holy ground Oh, and we are standing We're standing on holy ground
minutes, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my
Brother Green used to say, they say, Brother Green, stop him. He said, I didn't start him. You can be dismissed. The Spirit and the Bride are saying, Come. These elect are feeling a stir inside their heart.
You are awesome 